Real quick before we start, this is episode Uno Hundred. One Hundred. It's crazy. I never thought that I would ever get to one hundred podcast episodes. It's cool. Cool. Welcome to the sports experience. Da-da-da. Welcome to the sports experience and DeAndre Swift joke. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Anyways, today we're gonna be breaking down the Sunday's games. For the NFC, not including the Sunday night game. Here's, I'm changing the schedule a little bit. Here's what's going to be happening. On Monday, I'm going to come up with an episode recapping the AFC side of things. But because of what happened with the Bears game, I really want to talk about that first. So I'm switching up the schedule. Today, I'm going to be recapping the NFC team, the NFC games, except for the Sunday night game. Then, or at least the most notable parts of those Sunday games. Then... On Wednesday, I'll come out with an episode recapping the AFC's notable moments. Then, on mo- on Tuesday, I'll come out with the Monday night and Sunday night game recaps. Uh, it's a little confusing. Just bear with me, and then we'll figure this out. But first, I want to talk about the, the Chicago Bears. Let's talk about the Chicago Bears game. Chicago Bears just finished their game up with the Lions. It was an amazing game to watch, mainly if you were a Lions fan, because the Bears did not show up for that entire game until the fourth quarter. The Chicago Bears' main problem is named Mitchell Trubisky. Mitchell Trubisky could barely complete a ball. But if you looked at the stat line, you could see that Trubisky, oh, he must have had an amazing game. He threw for 242 yards and three touchdowns. He had an amazing game. The stat line does not tell the whole story. Trubisky could not hit his wide receivers. He was failing on every, almost every asset of the game. He couldn't run, couldn't throw, and didn't show up until the fourth quarter. Lions controlled the game for the entire game. They scored 23 points to the Bears' six leading up to the fourth quarter. But in the fourth quarter, Mitchell Trubisky was able to lead his team to 21 points. 21 unanswered points, three touchdowns. All of his touchdowns came in the fourth quarter. It was the single weirdest collapse, but it is all the Detroit Lions' fault. The Detroit Lions choked, but at the very end, they still had one more chance. With two minutes remaining, the Lions led all the way down the field by Maddie Stafford. Down at the 16-yard line for the Chicago Bears, they have two chances left. Maddie Stafford drops back to the back shoulder of the end zone. He's got DeAndre Swift wide open, the rookie running back, wide open. It goes up, DeAndre Swift catches it in his hands, and he drops it. He drops it in the end zone. Wow. He dropped the ball. You know, I think it's a moment that Lions fans are very used to. It's choking at that final minute. Last game, they I forget the actual number, but they led a lot of games. But they choked at the very end of the fourth quarter. And that's what happened this game. Now, is DeAndre Swift the reason that the Lions lost? No. But did he cost the game? Yes. He cost the game for the Lions. And he's a rookie. He'll learn. But he did cost the game. It's the same analogy I used for D Ford. Did was D Ford the only pro the only reason that the Chiefs did not make the Super Bowl in 2018? No. But did he cost the game for the Chiefs by standing on the line of scrimmage? Yes. And yes, I'm still bitter about that. So he's not the only reason that they lost. The Lions choking and not being able to stop the Bears is the reason that they lost. But he did cost the game. And I trust that he will learn from it, probably, because he's a rookie. But there's never been a more unconvincing win for the Bears. It's the story of the Bears. And I don't see how Trubisky will last longer than four games. I mean, like, seriously. 
he had a very, very poor game. Unless he picks it up, he won't be the starter after a couple games. Alright, we're going to recap the 49ers game. The 49ers versus the Cardinals that happened in. It was a great game. I loved watching it. I watched every second of it because I live near the San Francisco 49ers. So, local listings was on. So, I got to watch the entire game. And it was really, really, really fun to watch. So, let's start off with the Cardinals. The Cardinals had such an impressive showing against the former NFC champions. Because Kyler Murray was amazing. He had 230 yards and one touchdown pass. But... He did throw an interception, but that was because he made a poor read and threw it into quadruple coverage. I don't know what he was thinking there. We all make mistakes, though. Kyler Murray, where he really impressed, though, was rushing. In the rushing game, he had 13 carries for 91 yards and one touchdown. He was always just looking to run. Always. But that didn't deplete his throwing, too. Now, Kenyon Drake also picked up the slack where Kyle Murray couldn't run, going for 16 carries, 60 yards, and one touchdown as well. So a great running attack. Same as the 49ers, kind of, but even better. Now, they also had DeAndre Hopkins, who had a career-high 14 receptions, so I don't think he's missing Texas too much. Now, he had 151 yards. No touchdowns, which is kind of funny, but he had a touchdown reversed against him. Larry Fitzgerald, Larry Legend, got four receptions, 34 yards. Great game for both. Now, it was it was a really fun game to watch. Buda Baker, who just got paid, had 10 tackles. Really good game. Devon ba- Devondre Baker had a great game in coverage. You know, it was really, really, really fun to watch. Let's talk about the kicker. Zane Gonzalez. He missed two field goals, but he did also make his career-long field goal in 56. But it would have been a much, much, uh, it would have been a much larger margin if he had made those two field goals. Now, granted, both of them were for, for, from far out, but he had an accuracy problem. He could hit him just fine. He had the leg to do it. But it was just too far right. That was the only negative thing I had to say about the Cardinals. Now, on the 49ers side of the ball, I have a lot of negative things to say about them. I'll try to keep it short. Now, for the 49ers, my issue with them is that Jimmy Garoppolo, that's their, that's my issue, okay? Jimmy Garoppolo threw for 259 yards and two touchdowns. And he did pretty good. He didn't do too terrible. But he missed some wide open throws. He missed, he failed to pull the trigger on going deep on a deep post at one point to Kendrick Bourne. And he also missed Raheem Moser wide open in the end zone a couple times. Now, this is a problem with Jimmy Garoppolo. If you remember, he missed throws, wide open throws in the Super Bowl. And it feels like he just doesn't doesn't want to pull the trigger. He doesn't want to risk it for the biscuit, if you know what I'm saying. Did I really just say that? I'm an old man now. <laughs> but yeah, that's my only issue with Jimmy Garoppolo. And he effectively kind of cost them the game, to say the least. Now, in the running game, they had a great running attack. Raheem Mostert led the running attack with 15 carries and 56 yards. So, yeah, he was definitely very good. And he also led the team in receiving, too. Now, the reason he led the team in receiving is because they're missing Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, two of their best wide receivers. They also were lacking George Kittle. What happened to George Kittle is, this is a Jimmy Garoppolo problem. He threw it up high, and George Kittle had to jump up to get it, and he landed onto, like, a tackle from... uh from Buda Baker. So Buda Baker tackled in midair and he landed awkwardly on his ankle. He later returned in the game, but he was clearly not the same. And Jimmy Garoppolo didn't throw to him the entire second half, which is crazy. It's George Kittle. I'll take a half injured George Kittle any day over any tight end that I have. And it got down to um, a fourth and five on the Arizona Cardinals 25 yard line. And all they got to do is get that first down and get in the end zone. There's 30 seconds left. 
you get in the end zone, you effectively win. The Cardinals are winning 24-20 to at this point. And on 4th and 5, Jimmy Garoppolo does not throw the ball fast enough. He's got an open out route at the first down marker. He throws it, but it's just too late. He didn't throw it fast enough. And it ends up being incomplete, and the Cardinals win. And a great upset that I think a few people saw coming. I wouldn't say nobody saw this coming. But it was a super fun game to watch. Now I'm going to recap the Saints versus the Bucks. Now let's talk about the massive choking that the Eagles pulled off. Now, with the Eagles, they were leading by a lot. They were leading by a lot. They were winning ten to. They were winning seventeen to uh to fourteen, entering the fourth quarter. But they could not score in that fourth quarter, largely thanks to the fact that Carson Wentz got sacked eight times, eight times by a great offensive line, severely missing Lane Johnson. Now they also were missing Miles Sanders, and that showed. Their leading runner was Boston Scott, who only had 35 yards. Carson Wentz, he threw for two interceptions and got sacked eight times, only completing 24 of his 42 passes. Not a good game for him, especially because he was under pressure the entire time. I'm surprised he didn't get injured like he had the past couple of seasons. Now Dallas Goder, the guy who got punched out in the offseason, he got eight receptions and 101 yards. Good game for him. He also scored a touchdown. He was their leading wide receiver. However, it doesn't matter how many receptions you get. If your quarterback is sacked eight times and throws two interceptions. Now, the Washington football team had an underwhelming offense. They didn't really have, you know, a good offense, but they didn't have a great offense. They just they did just enough to get the win. Their defense was great, thanks to Riverboat Ron in his first game as the coach. Dwayne Haskins only threw for 178 yards and one touchdown, so not amazing. But Peyton Barber put two touchdowns in when they were in the red zone, and that was huge for the Washington football team. It was insane watching the Eagles choke and choke and choke. I do have to say one thing about the game, and it's not related about the game at all. It's just that Fox Sports wouldn't switch over to the Bears game when they were done with this game, and Doug Peterson kept trying to score when he was 17-27 to and two seconds left. Like, Doug, just end the game so I can go watch another game so Fox Sports can just switch over. Maybe I'm just kidding about nothing, but still. Poor choke job by the Eagles. Okay, this is turning into a longer episode than I wanted to. I'm trying to keep it quick. Let's talk about the Vikings versus Green Bay. Green Bay beat them 43-34 to in a game that Aaron Rodgers dominated. He got 32 out of 44 completions, 364 yards, and four touchdown passes, zero interceptions. No surprise coming from the most accurate quarterback in the league. Aaron Jones had a field day, 16 carries, 66 yards, and one touchdown. Amazing game for both him and Aaron Rodgers. Then you go to receive a game where Devontae Adams went off. He went 14 receptions, 156 yards for two touchdowns. And not, that's not all. Marquez Valdez-Scanding, or MVS, got four receptions, 96 yards, and one touchdown. So who said that the Packers didn't have a number two wide receiver? Everybody did because they don't. But MVS is stepping up, which is great to see if you're a Packers fan. Alan Lazard also stepped up, four receptions, 63 yards, and a touchdown. So you got three wide receivers there who stepped up majorly. Now, Aaron Rodgers didn't make them look very good, but still... You know, they definitely are showing that the Packers did not need another wide receiver in the draft. Obviously did, but, you know, definitely great. Then on the defensive side, Jair Alexander had one interception. And, you know, they had a very good, very good game for the Packers offense. The Vikings just could not stop them. Obviously missing Danielle Hunter and uh, Everson Griffin. Yannick Ngakwe, just not the same. And it was just a bad game. Eric Kendricks couldn't really do anything. He had seven tackles, but... He just wasn't there. Now, on the Viking side of the ball, Dalvin Cook rushed for two touchdowns. 
wasn't enough, though. Kirk Cousins also threw a pick and two touchdowns. The Vikings just couldn't get it done. You know, I don't think anybody could have stopped them with just the way that their offense was rolling. It was just boom, boom, boom. And it's clear, not having a home crowd is big for the Vikings. It's very, very big. Okay, just three games left in this NFC uh, episode. I'll come out with the AFC game first, I think, so you can go watch that after you are finished with this. The next three games I want to cover are the Cardinals versus 49ers, Bucks versus Saints, and now the Seahawks versus Falcons. I'll keep this one short because I'll probably be talking about the Cardinals and 49ers a lot. Now, with the Seahawks and Falcons game, if you look at this game on the surface, the Seahawks dominated. They dominated completely. The Falcons did not have an answer to that Seahawks offense. Russell Wilson threw 31 for 35, almost perfect in completion percentage, 322 yards and four touchdowns. He had an amazing game against the non-existent Atlanta Falcons defense. Now, you also had him rushing for 29 yards. Carlos Hyde was the leading rusher for the Seahawks, which was a surprise. I thought it was going to be Chris Carson, but, you know, it happens. DK Metcalf was the leading wide receiver for four receptions and 95 yards and a touchdown. Tyler Lockett had eight receptions and 92 yards. Now, this was a great game for the Seahawks. Obviously, DK Metcalf dropped a wide-open ball, but then made up for it when Russell Wilson dropped back through an epic fade route to, to DK Metcalf. He reached out, caught it in stride in the end zone. It was just an amazingly placed ball by Russell Wilson. Maybe made him like a lot more. Now, on the Atlanta Falcons side, Matt Ryan got away with a couple of completions. They threw the ball like crazy. They threw the ball 54 times, completing a 37 of them. Matt Ryan threw for 450 yards, two touchdowns, and one interception. Now, this is almost all of it came from just lobbing it up to Julio Jones. Julio had 157 yards. Three wide receivers for the Falcons had over 100 yards. I know, that's insane. And they all had nine receptions. Calvin Ridley, Julio Jones, and Russell Gage all had nine receptions and over 100 yards receiving. Calvin Ridley had two touchdowns, while Julio Jones had none. This all came when Matt Ryan just lapping up the ball and saying, here, here you go. This led to him throwing an interception in the process. It was a great game. The Falcons weren't in it for a while, but then the Seahawks just pulled away with the Falcons making a couple crucial mistakes, going on for it on fourth downs when they should not have, and they messed up on those. Julio Jones bailed out Matt Ryan a couple times. And, you know, we got to take away from this is that Dan Quinn wants to pass the ball a lot. He wants to pass it a lot. But can that defense hold up? That's going to be the big question for the Falcons. Let's move on to the next two games because I'll be talking about those a lot probably. It's going to be a long episode, isn't it? Darn. All right. I switched up the order a little bit. I put the 49ers to the very beginning. So now you're getting the Saints versus Bucks game. This is going to be the last recap of the episode. Saints versus Bucks. Tom Brady had a bad game. That's just the fact at the end of the day. It's something that we're not used to saying, but it's true. The Saints won 34 to 23. Now, the Saints were the home team, but it really doesn't matter. Tom Brady threw two touchdowns and two interceptions. Now, one of those interceptions was a pick six. Interceptions are not what we're used to seeing from Brady. Brady is usually safe, and he's usually just precise. But now, with this Bruce Arians offense, which is different than we saw in New England, he's not afraid to chuck the ball deep. It's a whole new Tom Brady, and unfortunately, he paid the price for that. Chris Godwin was the leading receiver, six receptions and 79 yards. Now, Mike Evans was activated for this game, and he was active, but he only caught one ball and for two yards. The reason I'm getting worked up for this is because I got him on my fantasy team, and I started him thinking that he was going to be amazing because when he was declared active, I put him into the starting lineup again instead of Emmanuel Sanders, who had an even better game than him. So what What do you... I get worked up about fantasy. 
<laughs> but it was a it was definitely a good game for the Saints. The Saints had a great game. And New Orleans proved that they were the better team that game. Now Drew Brees had 160 yards and two touchdown passes. Taysom Hill got in the game for a little bit and made an amazing 40-yard throw for his only throw. Hey, Taysom Hill magic. Latavius Murray was the leading rusher. Alvin Kamara was not. Alvin Kamara only rushed for 16 yards. 16! So, that's just weird to me. If he's the guy who got the big extension that might tank your cap, you'd think that he would rush for more than 16 yards. Now, in the receiving game, there wasn't anything much better. Michael Thomas only caught three receptions for 17 yards. It was mainly that Saints defense that really did all the work for them. Not very good pieces on offense that didn't really step up. All right, that's going to end it today. I'm going to go watch the Cowboys versus the Rams. You'll have that recap up tomorrow, along with the Broncos and Titans recap, along with the um, along with the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers recap. So Monday night games and Thursday night games, I mean, Saturday, Sunday night games, will be recapped tomorrow. That's right. Just get just get ready for those episodes. All right. Go Chiefs. Thank you so much for participating on the Disney ride that I like to call a podcast, The Sports Experience. Cowboys, Chiefs!